Welcome to Vitality Radio. You know, I am living my best life right now. I mean, it's really amazing. It was just a week ago, what, 10 days ago as I'm recording this, that I was speaking at a uh, conference in St. George, Utah. For those of you not from Utah, that's about four and a half, five hours away from me. It's the sunny warm part of Utah, down almost by Las Vegas. And um, so to go down there in January is great anyway, although it rained every single day we were down there. Thank goodness I love gray, rainy skies too. But uh, that's not why I'm living my best life. The way, the reason I am is because I was able to speak on a stage with a guy named Dr. Paul Thomas. You may have heard him twice now on Vitality Radio, and he said that he'd love to come on again. I may even end up getting onto his show, which is very exciting. He's got an amazing show along with Children's Health Defense. If you've never tuned in, it's called uh, Against the Wind, and uh, it is a great podcast. I've listened to it several times. And uh, so he was down there. I got to reconnect with him. We had dinner together and uh, spent quite a bit of time together, got some fun pictures and everything. And what an absolute hero in my eyes, Dr. Paul Thomas is. I also got to meet Carrie Madej, or Madej, I believe is how she pronounces it. I better get that right. She agreed to come on to Vitality Radio, so we're going to get her on very, very soon. And that reminded me of a time that I was speaking just back in uh, September in Salt Lake City on the stage with Del Bigtree, who you've heard on the show, uh, and realized that I had not reached out recently to a superstar, in my eyes, uh, an attorney, Christina Martinez from New York. She's the one that won the first case for a firefighter who was fired for not uh, agreeing to take the mandatory vaccination for COVID, and she got him all of his back pay and his job back. What's crazy is that she was a stay-at-home mom with an attorney's license at the time, but was not actually practicing and just frankly couldn't sit there and not do something about it. She and I have chatted a bit since. We had a good time chatting at the Your Health Freedom uh, Expo, and it I'm telling you, these people are just phenomenal. I also was able to talk just this last Saturday with a gentleman who you probably don't know by name. His name's Brad Skidamus. I think I'm pronouncing that right, but he is five times August. If you've heard any of the five times August music, Brad is also going to be on an upcoming episode of Vitality Radio. So I've got a lineup of just amazing people coming your way very, very soon. And as I was sitting here preparing today's show, today's topic being the most asked questions to me directly on Instagram and Facebook and at vitalitynutrition.com on our chat, as well as at Vitality Nutrition, our store in Bountiful. That's what I'm going to talk about today. But as I was preparing that topic, 
one thing I realized is it isn't going to be a one-hour show, so we're probably going to have a part two. Who knows? Maybe a part three. People ask a lot of questions in 2022, and uh, I aim to do this show and this series of shows for one reason and one reason only, and that is because I don't want you to ask those questions. No, I'm kidding. It's not because I don't want to ask. I love every question that comes my way, even if it's one I've heard a hundred times, because I know if you're asking me, A... You respect my opinion, which I appreciate very, very much. You believe that I've got a perspective that could be useful for you, and I and I thank you very much for that, anybody that reaches out and asks questions. And also, maybe you just haven't had an opportunity to hear me answer it somewhere else. But what I hope this show can be on the podcast, because these podcasts in many cases are evergreen as far as the content, is the type of show that you can go back and reference when you need to know what to do about a certain thing that you're dealing with. Now, before I get into the top questions of 2022, which will include all types of questions about colloidal silver, um, exactly what to do from a protocol standpoint for urinary tract issues, Kidney stones, gallstones, insomnia, anxiety, and possibly a few more if I have time to get to them, but those are definitely ones that I hope to get to today on the show. What I'm hoping is that you'll be able to go back and reference these because maybe at this point you are not dealing, you're not dealing with a urinary tract thing or you're not dealing with anxiety, but in the future you may be dealing with it or come across a friend or family member who is and you can reference this show as an evergreen uh, show that you can use moving forward. So that's kind of the goal here. I hope it works well for you. I am really excited to bring it to you. If you have questions about anything you hear here on today's show, please reach out to us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or jump on the chat feature on our website at vitalitynutrition.com. And uh, those are probably two of the best ways to reach out. But you can also hit me up on Instagram at Vitality Radio or at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful. And at the bottom of every episode in the description is a link to become a member of the Facebook listeners community, which is where I answer a ton of these questions as well. So the last thing I'll say before I get into this is none of what I'm about to share with you can be considered medical advice. I am not licensed as a medical practitioner of any kind. These are my opinions and my opinions only. I highly recommend you do your own research as well and uh, recognize that the best way to take care of yourself is to educate yourself as opposed to leaving it in the hands of anybody else. And so these statements that I'm going to make aren't approved by any government entity, including the FDA. In fact, I would anticipate they probably approve less of what I say. <laughs> than most other entities, but that's okay. Um, these are things that I want to share my opinions on and my experience with. These are the This is the way that I would handle some of these things that people are dealing with. Nothing more, nothing less. Okay, let's jump right into the first topic because it's going to take probably the biggest part of this show, and that is colloidal silver. 
Another thing that makes me say I'm living my best life here is because I just, last June, so seven months ago now, was able to be on the episode 61 of Carlin Call's Just Ingredients podcast. And on that show, uh, I talked about colloidal silver. And she got a ton of feedback on that. In fact, since then, she's done a whole episode or two on colloidal silver. And I highly recommend you check those out because they're excellent shows. In fact, I'm looking to track down some maybe the same guest or similar guest as what she has had. But when I was on that show, uh, a lot of you found me there. And now, guess what? I'm recording with her two days from now for another episode. We're going to go into a whole bunch of different details on other things beyond what we talked about back in June, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have that opportunity once again. So colloidal silver became a topic like it's never been before in my social media at Vitality Nutrition because of the new exposure that I found talking about it with Carl Lynn. But people have so many questions about colloidal silver. So let me go ahead and rattle off what I'm going to discuss. We're going to talk about how I have used colloidal silver for sinuses, for ear issues, infections, and things like that, uh, for eye problems, for immune function generally, you know, colon flu type of stuff, and whether or not I believe it's safe to use daily uh, or if it should just be used short term like you would Uh, a different type of pharmaceutical uh, type of antibiotic, and how to use it topically for things. So let's jump right in. First, you have to understand this about colloidal silver. What we know scientifically, and there are studies, so many studies that back this up, is that colloidal silver, when put into a Petri dish, so this is going to be called an in vitro uh, study, not inside the human body, but in a Petri dish, can wipe out just about any pathogen you can imagine. Uh, Different brands have done different studies and have proven that it's effective against MRSA and C. diff and all types of things, including things like those two that are antibiotic-resistant bacterial infections. So we know that silver, if it can be in contact with a pathogen for a long enough period of time, can be extremely effective. The question then is, can it also be effective in vivo, in humans? Well, interestingly enough, there's a lot of studies that certainly show that it can be, and frankly is. But colloidal silver companies, because of something known as DSHEA, which is a uh, uh, congressional uh, bill that was passed back in 1993, I believe I've got that in, that number right, back when I was just barely getting started as the owner of Vitality Nutrition. I purchased it from my my uh, parents in 1994. So uh, back way back when DSHEA was passed and it made, meant that manufacturers could no longer uh, make uh, as many quote unquote claims about their products and colloidal silver companies have been somewhat hamstrung by this. Now, interestingly enough, there are a couple of companies, one in particular uh, that... Uh, I'm a big fan of, that have achieved some level of topical uh, legal claims that they can make. They've been able to prove them, uh, I guess, beyond 
doubt. And so there are topical colloidal silver sprays that you can even find in grocery stores and drug stores that uh, have actually been shown to fight things like MRSA. And they can actually say that on the label. But when you're talking about internal use or even things like eye infections, ear infections, sinus infections, strep throat, those types of things, FDA won't allow them to make claims, even though there is quite a bit of evidence that they probably do help with those things. So my take on it has always been as a father and as a husband, particularly when I was a husband of pregnant, uh, a pregnant wife, is that silver, I believe, is one of the safest natural remedies that there possibly ever has been. And that might be a controversial statement for some of your ears because there has been a lot made about silver potentially being toxic because silver is technically a metal, right? And we hear about heavy metal poisoning, heavy metal toxicity, and things like that. But what is interesting is that when you look at the literature on colloidal silver, it has been proven to be actually very, very safe in terms of toxicity because it leaves the body, the good stuff, the good nano silver from people like Silverceuticals, American Biotech Labs, uh, the makers of Silver Biotics, they've shown that this can leave the body within four, within 24 hours, meaning that there really isn't the potential for toxicity. And so I've loved it when I've had little tiny kids. My youngest little guy now is 10. But even at that age, a lot of us parents stress a little bit about, you know, what can we give a 10-year-old that maybe, um, you know, that, that we would use as an adult? Is it safe for my 10-year-old? Well, what if it is safe for my two-year-old, Right. Is it safe for my infant? Is it safe for my pregnant or nursing wife? Or if you are the pregnant or nursing woman uh, who is using it, is it safe? And my personal opinion, and this is colloidal silver according to Jared, but it is based on a lot of research, is that it is very, very safe. It is one of my main go-tos and has been for years, and I've yet to have any problems with it at all. So then how can it be used? Well, it as we said, in vitro, when put into a Petri dish with just about anything, it'll wipe it out. And in most cases, within 24 hours, oftentimes much, much more quickly. So I love colloidal silver sprayed into the sinuses. I love colloidal silver into the ear. I love colloidal silver into the eye. I love colloidal silver sprayed into the back of the throat because that's the closest thing you're going to get to an in vitro type of a approach and the closest thing to mimicking what we've seen in much of the research. Now, there's been research done on humans. There's been research done on mice. There's been a lot of research on colloidal silver. But again, uh, what manufacturers can say legally is that they're very much held to a what I consider to be a standard that is quite unreasonable, but it is what it is. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. In fact, I have already decided I'm going to do a whole show or at least the whole half of a show talking about something called DSHEA, that bill, because I think you as a consumer need to understand how that works to become, again, a much more informed consumer, which really is what this show is all about. How can I help you understand the supplement world and the natural products world in a way that makes you more informed and a better consumer of these products? Okay, so with colloidal silver, because of what manufacturers can't say, the labels are very, very 
generic, I guess, in terms of their recommendations. They may say, you know, a teaspoon is the dose or whatever. Um, and, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean a teaspoon can be used multiple times a day? Does it mean I can only use a teaspoon occasionally? Does it mean that more than a teaspoon is dangerous? Can I use a teaspoon on an animal? Can I use a teaspoon on my child? And unfortunately, none of that can be stated on the label. So I'll just tell you how I have used it in the past. I've used it topically in all of those areas that I previously mentioned. And when we're talking about ears, sinuses, and eyes, then we're talking about, you know, ears and eyes, a drop or two. The key with colloidal silver, in my experience, is that it needs to be used in such a way that it is very consistent and often. One dose oftentimes just doesn't do the trick. In fact, I would say most times doesn't do the trick. And one dose per day for multiple days, in many cases, also does not do the trick. But one dose multiple times a day seems to work really, really well. So a drop or two into the eye, a drop or two into the ear, that's what I've done when my children have had issues in those areas. I've also used it with a what's called a vertical uh, sprayer that can be shot uh, vertically uh, into the sinuses for the same reasons. And so colloidal silver can be used in all of those areas, and I typically recommend about six times a day. Now, what if you don't have a, you know, an area where you can get it into the area where the, um, the problem is, is uh, presenting itself, we'll say? In other words, you're fighting something systemically throughout the body. You know, you're dealing with cold or flu or things like that. Well, Interestingly enough, that just means that the consistency becomes even more important and the dose becomes more important. So when you see a teaspoon on the side of your label, I still recommend and, and have done for years with my family and friends about six times a day. And I believe, especially in short-term use for you know a few days or a week or two or whatever, that that dose can be done pretty much as often as you want to do it. Myself, personally, what I do is I do it about every hour or two if I'm fighting something like that. Now, I also do other things. I don't just do the silver. Sleep, rest is absolutely massive. It's critical whenever you're trying to fight any type of bug or infection or whatever. So I'm always aiming for as much of that as I possibly can get. And I'm also boosting up all of the other immune support types things like my aged garlic extract, my echinacea. Um, I use my formula, get well, stay well uh, in those moments, which contains vitamin C and vitamin, uh, sorry, vitamin C and zinc, as well as echinacea, elderberry, oregano, and olive leaf extract, among other things. So these are things that can be used in conjunction because essentially what you're doing is providing support for the body's natural immune response with the vitamins and the minerals and the herbs and you're going after the thing that is impacting your body with the colloidal silver so it's a really really nice one-two punch what if you're dealing with something on the skin though uh, maybe you're using it for some uh, some people use it for blemishes some people use it for warts some people use it for cuts and burns and scrapes like they might use a neosporin 
If you haven't heard me ranting about Neosporin, Neosporin won't come into my house and it won't go on to my children. Uh, but I do use a colloidal silver nano gel and I absolutely love the stuff. I believe it does everything you would want without causing any of the issues. And interestingly enough, the FDA on the gel will allow some of these manufacturers to specifically state that it can work on those types of things. The laws surrounding this stuff are confusing as can be, and frankly, confusing for you as the consumer I know because I hear it all the time. So I'm going to do my best in 2023 to do as much as I can to help you become, again, a more educated consumer on why these things are written the way they are and what manufacturers can and can't do and how to understand as a consumer the best way to use these products to benefit you the most and spend your money as wisely as you can when you're talking about your supplements. So those are the basics of colloidal silver. I'm going to answer a couple of other quick questions specifically regarding silver that I don't want to leave uh, alone here. And that is, should I take it daily? That's a big question that I get. I personally do not believe that taking colloidal silver daily is a good idea. I don't necessarily think that it's unsafe though. I just believe that our bodies are by design um, intelligent enough and if we're especially if we're doing our best to take care of ourselves and nourishing our bodies with the key nutrients that help to boost the immune system such as vitamin D and vitamin C and those types of things that using something that is as strong as colloidal silver on a daily basis is a not necessary and probably not a good value uh, when it comes to how you're spending your supplement dollars, um, more so than I think that it maybe it's um, unsafe. Because again, as I've stated, if you're getting a good quality silver, and my belief is that uh, some of the best silvers out there, the silver hydrosol is one of the very good ones, the uh, silver biotics formula, and also the silver suticles. These are all excellent, excellent forms of colloidal silver and uh, I believe can be safely used day in, day out. I just don't believe that they need to be used day in, day out. And then the last, but maybe the biggest question that I get because I talk about microbiome, constantly on Vitality Radio is, does colloidal silver harm the microbiome? And the answer is kind of simple, but it confused the heck out of me until I understood it. And it was explained to me in a really, really profound way uh, by a, uh, a silver researcher. And basically what he said was this, pathogenic bacteria by their very nature, are spreaders, right? They, they spread and replicate in a very, very um, high rate of speed. And not just bacteria, let's just say pathogens generally. And the cell wall of those pathogens, because of that, uh, is quite thin and frankly not particularly robust. And therefore, colloidal silver can react with that pathogen very, very quickly and get through the cell and do the damage that needs to be done to uh, get rid of the pathogen. 
our human bacteria, the good guys that inhabit our microbiome and our sinuses, that inhabit our microbiome and our gut and various other parts of the body, they're far, far more resilient. In fact, very, very resilient when it comes to things like silver. Now, antibiotics are a little bit different story. Antibiotics are much more powerful than colloidal silver is in terms of their um, systemic impact, which on the one hand, if you're trying to save somebody's life, can be very, very valuable. But on the other hand, if you're fighting a sinus infection or strep throat or an ear infection or pink eye or something like that, can be very devastating because you're not just going to go after the pathogen. You're also going to wipe out the good guys. Colloidal silver does not appear to do this at all. And the research is quite clear on this. So I believe it's safe. I don't believe it will turn you blue unless you're potentially making your own in the basement and taking mass quantities of it, the kind of there aren't the old wives' tales. We'll say of colloidal silver are largely untrue, or at least they're untrue based on what we know about really good quality colloidal silver. So I'll leave it at that. I hope I answered all the questions, but if you have more, we're happy to take your calls, 801-292-6662, and answer them as well as we can. You can also reach out to me again on the social medias, at Vitality Radio, at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful are both good places to reach out, or hit us up on our website, vitalitynutrition.com. Okay, so the next one that I also discussed on Carlin's podcast, episode 61, was urinary tract infections. And this one is interesting. And I have to, I guess, preface this with a, a bit of an apology for those of you who are avid listeners to the show, because I have already said this pretty much word for word, what I'm about to say. And if you'd like to skip forward, maybe skip forward about seven or eight minutes um, if you don't want to hear what I have to say about urinary tract infections. But for I just I consistently get questions about this all the time. And I want to lay it out to give as much access to this information to as many people as possible. Urinary tract infections. Urinary tract infections are largely about 90% bacterial um, but specifically the bacteria of E. coli. I should have said they're all bacterial pretty much. I mean, I'm sure there's some ex uh, there are some exceptions there, but there's a specific bacteria we're all aware of. Most of us think of it as a, a way that we get food poisoning, but E. coli is the bacteria that makes up 90% of urinary tract infections. The numbers are staggering, about 85% of... Um, women in America uh, will get a urinary tract infection at some point of, in their life. Um, about half of those women will get recurring urinary tract infections and about half of those women. So it ends up being somewhere, depending on the numbers you read, 20, 25% of women will get regular urinary tract infections um, in a chronic way, meaning minimum of about three to four times per year. And of course, they happen in men as well. Everything I'm saying here, I think, applies both ways. But because it's largely women, about 85% of um, the people who get urinary tract infections are female. So that's gonna it's gonna apply mostly to women. The first question I hear is, okay, well, if I'm not supposed to do an antibiotic, and 
again, I'm not your doctor, so I can't tell you that you're not supposed to do an antibiotic. And frankly, I can't tell you that you should do an antibiotic because that's not my role in this uh, realm. But what I will say is whenever possible, I'm avoiding those at all costs. Um, I believe they should largely be used, almost exclusively used for life-saving, not for things that can be treated other ways. And there is excellent research, excellent research on PubMed, Online, you can find the studies that show that D-mannose, a simple sugar, can be extremely effective. And what I love about D-mannose that is so incredibly unique is that it doesn't kill anything. It doesn't kill bacteria. The urinary tract is supposed to be sterile. There's not supposed to be any bacteria in there, good or bad. It's not like the gut where we have all these good guys and then we also have pathogens and they're sort of fighting it out for space. The urinary tract is a clean vessel, or it's supposed to be. And when bacteria gets in there, it causes a lot of irritation. And if you've ever experienced a urinary tract infection, the burning, the tingling, and all the other things that go with it, the urgency, it's no fun. In some cases, even blood with urinary tract infections. Not fun at all. D-mannose just makes things slippery. That's the non-medical term. The actual research term that is used is anti-adherence. It prevents bacteria from adhering to the walls of the urinary tract. Therefore, it is super safe. I don't see any reason why anyone couldn't use it. In fact, they've even done studies and shown that it's very low glycemic, so it doesn't even seem to impact people with hypoglycemia or diabetes. And so if you're worried about the sugar element of it, don't worry about it. Plus, your dose is very small anyway. Two grams of D-mannose is a dose. Two grams of sugar. That's not much. Mary Poppins, I think, would be so proud, right? Because in the case of D-mannose, just a spoonful of sugar is the medicine. And here is the key with how it works. First, I have to say, the studies are very, very clear. It seems to be 100% effective against E. coli bacterial infections of the urinary tract, according to the research. 100% is a good number, right? That makes it more effective than anything else that's ever been researched that I have come across. I'm not aware of anything else that is 100% effective for E. coli. We don't know exactly if it's ineffective for other things, other types of bacterial um, infections. I suspect that it is less effective for a lot of them because I I have seen D-mannos not do the job for people, but it's very, very rare. And if you don't know what your what bacteria is actually infecting your urinary, urinary tract, and the only way to find that out is to run into a doc and have them swab it and find out. But if you don't know what it is, because D-mannose is incredibly safe, it's very economical, I don't see any reason that I can think of not to try it anyway. Because the antibiotic will always be there a day or two later. What's crazy about D-mannose is that the research shows that within 48 hours, it is pretty much 100% effective against E. coli. And the only reason we don't know what other types of bacteria it's, in, it's effective against is because, to my knowledge, there haven't been studies done on other types of urinary tract infections. But there are keys to how it's used. And in the clinical trials, there were very specific ways that it was used, or there was a very specific protocol for how it was used. So let me lay that out. It's four times a day 
2,000 milligrams or 2 grams. And I always recommend powder over capsules, always, 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 really for one simple reason. It's way more economical because if you have to take the capsules, you're taking 16 capsules a day versus four teaspoons, and you'll blow through that bottle of capsules very, very quickly, and there's a lot less D-mannose in that bottle than there is in the bottle of um, powder. So I always recommend the powder at one level teaspoon, which is two grams, four times a day. But here's the key. You've got to let the D-mannose hang out in the urinary tract for a while to do the job that it's there to do. So you don't drink it with a big glass of water. Water is very important for clearing urinary tract infections, but it's all about timing here. So what they've done and proven is that if you take a little bit of water, and I suggest two or three ounces, that's plenty to mix a table, or sorry, a teaspoon of D-mannose into, and you drink that down, then you wait about 45 minutes. After that, drink a large glass of water. I suggest minimum of 10 ounces, but even 12 to 16 ounces is fine because then at that point, what you're doing is hoping that the D-mannose has made things slippery enough, created that anti-adherence that allows the water to push everything out. You're not killing anything. You're just getting it out of where it's not supposed to be in the first place. So that's how D-mannose works. You do that four times a day, and in most cases, within 24 hours, people are noticing a substantial benefit, according to the research that's been done. And within 48 hours, in almost every case, they've got it knocked out. Now, what they've done in different studies, I've seen a variety of studies on D-mannose, but I think this is the one that I think makes the most sense, and it's what I've suggested to my family and friends, and that is that once you feel no more symptoms, don't assume that it's gone. Don't assume that it's gone because it can come raging back. You may just have such a small bacterial load that you're still you're not experiencing symptoms, but any bacteria in the urinary tract is a problem. So I suggest two days or three days even at four servings a day done exactly as I um, as they did it in the studies. And then I've suggested, that you cut that down to about three servings a day for a couple of days and then two servings a day for a couple of days. And then especially if you are one who's chronic, who's experiencing these things, who I've, I've known several uh, friends and family who have had chronic urinary tract infections, then I recommend one a day for about a month. And I recommend it for about a month, which is potentially overkill, but it's super safe. It's easy to do it just one time a day. It's a little bit of a hassle at four times a day. I know with the 45 minute wait and everything, but at once a day, it's not that big of a deal and better safe than sorry. In the meantime, if you are someone who's getting these things chronically, you've got two options. The most logical option in my book is build back up your body's natural resistance. And while it might seem strange, that building up your gut microbiome would prevent urinary tract infections, that certainly does seem to be the case based on the research that has been done and what I've read and seen in the studies. And so precision probiotic, which I believe is the most effective way to reboost and rebuild your microbiome, is a great option if you're someone who's dealing with this chronically. And that can just be done once a day. If you're dealing with other types of chronic things like you know, sinus and ear and some of these other things that we mentioned when we were talking about colloidal silver, the same thing applies. 
Precision probiotic once a day for a minimum of three months and preferably six months. You're not going to overdo it and cause issues in the microbiome. All you'll do is make your microbiome happier uh, the longer that you do it. So you can continue to do that. And that should be your best defense against future infections. Now, that being said, if you're also looking at, I mean, if you are dealing with chronic urinary tract infections, what I've done with my, um, my people in the past is I have recommended that they do one serving of D-mannose every day while they're doing that buildup on the probiotic for the three to six months. And I recommend six months, especially if you've been very chronic for a long time. What does D-mannose do then? I keep throwing this number around 85%, but 85% of women who had three or more urinary tract infections in the previous six months, so that's at least one every two months on average, 85% of those women at one serving of D-mannose a day didn't get another infection in the next six months. That is phenomenal. So that's it. It's it's really simple. I if if you're someone who is concerned about this, you don't want to have to f- come back to this episode. Write down what I just told you because put it in your I don't know. Write it on a post-it note and put it in your medicine cabinet or something. I would suggest even if you do tend to have these issues, having the D-mannose powder on hand uh, so that you can hit it at the very first symptom. And uh, that's how I've suggested it again to friends and family in the past and have seen excellent, excellent results. Okay, so that's number two. Now, let's kind of stay in the same area with kidney stones and gallstones. Now, gallstones and kidney stones are not the same thing. Um, kidney stones are largely made up of mineral. They're essentially kind of a mineral deposit in most cases, not all cases, uh, largely calcium. And I believe that one of the biggest reasons for kidney stones, there are several, um, but if you're looking for avoidance of future kidney stones, one of the biggest reasons is excessive calcium consumption from calcium that your body can't absorb well. That's going to be calcium that's fortified into foods, um, especially one that's a hidden danger that I need to point out. And I do I pointed it out before, but I, I want you to really listen to what I'm saying here because I think there's a ton of value in this because it's not just kidney stones. In fact, you're almost lucky if it manifests itself as kidney stones because in most cases anyway, while you might think you're dying from a kidney stone, you won't actually die from a kidney stone. But you can die from hardening of the arteries and calcification of the arteries. And calcification of other organs and glands can be a problem as well. So excess calcium that is found in things like almond milk and soy milk, and rice milk, and oat milk, and cashew milk, and hemp milk. You pick the milk. Pick the fake milk, we'll say. (laughs) And I'm not opposed to the fake milks. They're fine. Um, But find some that that aren't fortified with calcium. That's harder to do than you might think. But it's very easy to figure out because you just look on the ingredients label and see if the calcium is listed. It'll usually be calcium triphosphate or calcium carbonate, or just calcium phosphate, those are almost always the ones they add, and these are devils to absorb. So that calcium ends up going somewhere besides the bones, and oftentimes it hangs out in your kidneys and creates stones. But this is also fortified into cereals. It's fortified into breads. Pretty much any kind of enriched flour 
um, including enriched rice, uh, enriched rice flour, enriched wheat flour, and so on, you're going to find this type of calcium. And if you're struggling with stones or spurs or I'll say uh, high blood pressure or other things that are signs of potential heart disease, you really need to avoid those types of calcium. Now, I believe you should avoid those types of calcium, whether you're struggling with those things or not, as a preventative maintenance tool, but you get my point. So let's start with kidney stones. What breaks down minerals in the body that are in places that they should not be? Well, if you went to chemistry class, then you'll know that an acid and a base and a mineral like calcium would be considered a base when they come together, are they form a reaction, right? And if you do it right, you can blow up a beaker with this reaction. But in the body, the same thing applies. If we can get more of what I consider to be healthy acidity into the body, uh, things like raw apple cider vinegar, then as that raw apple cider vinegar is making it its way through the urinary tract, the kidneys, and so on, it is doing a job of starting to help break down these deposits. And I'm a big, big believer in this. Now, I also want to mention one more thing, and it's really important. If you're dealing with any of these stones, uh, particularly kidney stones, but also, again, spurs, hardening of the arteries, any of that kind of stuff, and you're on a PPI, a proton pump inhibitor for acid reflux, Prevacid, uh, Nexium, Prilosec, those types of things, then you are reducing your acid content in your stomach where minerals need acid in order to be absorbed and get into the bones or other areas where those minerals are desired. And it is more likely, in my opinion anyway, that those minerals will end up in places that they ought not to be. In fact, one of the biggest issues with long-term use of PPIs is bone loss and hip fracture. And we know that. That's been clinically proven, that after 10 years, your risks increase dramatically for bone loss and hip fracture on PPIs. And the reason for that is pretty simple. You can't absorb calcium. Even good calcium is tough to absorb at that point. You know, whole food calcium, the stuff that you is not added into things. So apple cider vinegar is an awesome tonic. Um, I talked to Haley Manis, uh, what, two weeks ago on the show or something like that. She talks about her fire cider, which, by the way, I absolutely love her fire cider. Um, I think it might become one of my day in, day out things. I'm currently working through just my plain apple cider vinegar right now, but um, I've used her fire cider now for a couple of weeks and uh, I'm going to get myself a fresh bottle as soon as I'm done with the rest of the vinegar that I'm using, but it can be used daily. You can dilute it. I have had people ask if apple cider vinegar is rough on the enamel of the teeth. And I would say that yeah, potentially. I think it probably could be. I mean, the enamel of the teeth would be, you know, more of a base type of a thing. But if you're diluting the cider down dramatically, the apple cider vinegar down, then I don't think that there's any concern there. And um, you can also, if you're concerned about it, especially if you're doing it as more of like a tonic and drinking a small amount, just rinse your mouth out well with water afterwards, brush your teeth, uh, something like that. But uh, those things would be excellent options. If you're dealing with something that you want to fight um, th that is more of a current concern, and again, I'm not a doctor, 
And so this is not medical advice, but I have seen excellent results with kidney stones with an herb called Chanka Piedra, which, believe it or not, has a nickname called Stone Breaker. You can extrapolate from that what you will, but it makes sense uh, as to what people are using it for. And Chanka Piedra with apple cider vinegar is a great one-two punch. Uh, Chanka Piedra, I believe, is from Peru, if I remember correctly. Uh, but it's an herb that's available. Um, you know, we have it at Vitality. Most good health food stores have it. And then there are also blends that I've had really good success with. One is called Kidney Complete, which actually has an activated apple cider vinegar plus chanka piedra and other herbs in it. These are all things that have had excellent success and excellent results for people that I've talked to that have used them. Uh, gallstones, a little bit different story with gallstones, but actually, interestingly enough, a very similar solution. Uh, gallstones are more fatty, uh, and, uh, they can happen with clogged bile ducts and things like that, which can be extremely painful. I've actually dealt with this a couple of times and it is absolutely no fun. Apple cider vinegar does seem to help thin bile, uh, and allow it to pass through the ducts more efficiently into the stomach where it is needed to help digest the fatty acids in your food. And so apple cider vinegar, uh, fire cider, or a product called gallbladder complete can all be used. I've, I've had really good success. There's a lot of malic acid in apple cider vinegar and also in apple juice, particularly unfiltered apple juice. And malic acid is happens to have a really nice reaction with uh, with the bile itself, and uh, helps to thin bile and what is some people refer to as sludge, biliary sludge in the gallbladder, and so. This is actually a really, really uh, cool and simple solution. Uh, probably some benefit to Chanka Piedra there as well, but I think in most cases, actually just apple juice with apple cider vinegar added to fortify the acidity. We'll say a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar to about a cup of, of uh, apple cider or apple juice, uh, preferably the unfiltered multiple times a day. I've personally used this with excellent success the couple of times that my gallbladder backed up on me a little bit, and it is incredibly relieving and just awesome. Okay, I've got about uh, 10 more minutes, so I'm going to get into this as best I can. I wanted to talk about insomnia and anxiety. We'll start with anxiety because I probably heard that more than insomnia, although I've certainly heard insomnia plenty in 2022. And I'm going to remind you, this is episode one. There will definitely be an episode two in which I will talk about, I have COVID, now what? We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the question that I probably hear more than any other question ever, uh, but we'll talk about it briefly and I'll point you to another show and that is what are the must-have supplements? And uh, I'll talk about what that even means because it's different for everybody. We'll talk about shingles. Shingles has been uh, seen a resurgence uh, since COVID. Um, I have my beliefs on why that might be. And uh, But we'll talk about shingles. We'll also talk about arthritis because I've been hearing a lot this year about arthritis or last year, I should say. Neuropathy has exploded uh, since COVID. I have thoughts on why that is as well, although I don't know that I'll go into that too much on episode two of this uh, particular topic, but I will definitely talk about what I recommend. 
and even long-term brain fog, which seems to stem from long COVID and things like that. So those are some, but not all of the topics that I'll touch on in episode two. All right, let's talk about anxiety. So anxiety is a very, very interesting topic to me because, because it is a really, really Ah, it's run kind of rampant in this country over the last little bit. I just mentioned a couple of things, shingles and neuropathy that I've seen kind of an explosion of, but my goodness, social distancing and government lockdowns and mandates and job losses and threats and fear and all the other crap that came with the last couple of years has created anxiety in people that didn't used to be all that anxious and people that were already experiencing anxiety really, really struggled in many cases. And so this is one that I've heard as much as maybe anything that I've uh, been asked this last really couple of years, what do I do for my anxiety? And I've had a lot of people asking it about their children as well. So let's talk about that um, briefly here. I am going, I'm preparing a full-blown all-in anxiety episode. So I'm going to give you some basics here uh, as kind of a, a quick primer, and then I'll go into great detail moving forward. But there are a lot of things with anxiety. And one of the things that makes it interesting to me is that to a large degree, it, it can be very much mind over mat over matter. And therefore, as a guy who sells supplements for a living, I've been finding that I have my very best success with anxiety in talking to people about lifestyle habits that you can use to experience less anxiety. But I don't have time to talk about that right now, other than I will mention definitely looking into breath work. The physiological sigh is one of my very, very favorites. Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about that a lot on his podcast, and you can find that, uh, the ex excerpt where he talks about um, anxiety and stress and the physiological sigh on YouTube. Uh, in fact, we may even link to that uh, in the show description. And then um, there is also something called the 478 technique that was made famous by Dr. Andrew Weil, W-E-I-L. Love both of those things. But let's talk about what you can do from a more supplemental standpoint when it comes to anxiety in the last bit of time that we have today. One, you need to nourish the central nervous system. It is the central nervous system that is on high alert when we're experiencing stress and we're in fight or flight mode. And what does that mean, nourish the nervous system? Well, the B complex, the vitamin Bs, B1, B2, B3, B5, B6, and so on, these are critical at that moment because the body burns through B vitamins and utilizes them as part of its natural defense mechanism to calm the nervous system when it is out of line. But we want B vitamins, at least the ones that need to be methylated or in what's called the cell-ready state where your body can absorb them very, very easily without having to do a lot of extra work. Keeping in mind that our body processes, particularly our digestive processes, go way down when we're under high stress. So we want to have the methylated or cell-ready B vitamins. So when you're looking at vitamin B1, you're looking for benfotiamine. When you're looking at vitamin B2, you're looking for what's called R5P, B6, P5P, B12, methylcobalamin, uh, these types of things. It's very important. So the B vitamins are critical from the vitamin side. Perhaps the most critical element would be magnesium, 
which of course I've done lots of shows on magnesium, so I won't go into great detail, but we do know that it plays a role in 300 different enzymatic processes and that it is critically deficient in most Americans and that our stress response impacts dramatically our magnesium burn rate, how quickly we go through magnesium. So the more stress we're experiencing, the more anxiety we are feeling, the higher our need for magnesium. And I would also say that applies to the B vitamins. And then also there are herbal things and amino acids that are phenomenal. L-theanine. Oh my gosh, do I love L-theanine. I take it every single time before I do this show to help with my mental focus. In fact, what I now take, and it's funny because I've had this product (laughs) this product on the market for a while. And I just started taking it myself because I don't consider myself to be an anxious person. And as a general rule, I really am not. I've learned, I I, I just am not wired that way generally, but I've also learned techniques that when I do feel anxiety, in many cases, I can kind of self-calm, self-treat it with my mind more so than with supplementation. But what I found is that when I do a show like this, which by the way, I don't have any notes for this episode of the show, other than just what topics I'm actually going to talk about. This is all just me talking off the top of my head here. And I'm able to do that on the radio and on the podcast, I think largely because I take this L-theanine and it helps me to keep on track because my brain, (laughs) my brain is so all over the place by nature. I have that kind of ADD type wiring more so than the anxiety type wiring. And I used to take L-theanine with a little bit of caffeine to kind of be like nature's Adderall, as I like to call it. Um, But now I take anxiety release. And this is as self-serving as it gets, but it's my formula. I developed it based on about, uh, let's see, 13 years, I think, of study in this topic and um, really digging in. An anxiety release is just an absolute dynamite formula, if I do say so myself. And it's now my go-to. I still take it with a little bit of caffeine because that seems to help my brain focus in. And there's certainly no caffeine in the anxiety release formula. But it has L-theanine, which helps to increase more alpha brain waves. It has sensorial ashwagandha, my favorite, favorite herb, because it helps to reduce cortisol. And there's clinical studies to back that up. Lemon balm extract, which helps to inhibit an enzyme that breaks down GABA. And GABA is a critical neurotransmitter, what they call an inhibitory neurotransmitter. And that inhibitory neurotransmitter is what helps to calm the mind when we're having racing thoughts and they're bouncing around in our head. That kind of racing brain syndrome that I call it that can also keep you from falling to sleep. In fact, a lot of people use anxiety release as a natural sleep aid. And it has holy basil. Holy basil and ashwagandha in India have been in use for over 5,000 years. And holy basil is literally considered a holy plant for its uh, nervine tonic benefits to the central nervous system. This formula is loaded with all the things minus the magnesium. You do have to get the magnesium independently because it just takes up too much space in the capsule. So, But you should be taking magnesium every day anyway. I believe that about everybody. It's in part of my Vital 5, and that's what I always talk about. Magnesium glycinate, magnesium glycinate, magnesium glycinate. The bisglycinate in particular being the very best one. And of course, the one I recommend is the Vital 5, magnesium glycinate. But that combined with anxiety release, combined with breath work and some other 
um, things that you can do within your own brain to calm things down, to learn to be, instead of reactive, responsive, to be able to make thoughtful decisions before you you know, blow up or cocoon or freeze or do whatever it is you do when you're experiencing anxiety and stress. All right. I have run out of time. There will be a part two, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's even a part three. We'll do part two next Wednesday. So a week from today is my plan. In fact, I am probably going to record it right away while all of this is fresh in my head. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Vitality Radio. I hope it becomes kind of a reference for you. Uh, Perhaps mark this episode as one that you can go back to if you're concerned about any of these things. And maybe it'll also be a great way to introduce the information from this show to friends and family, which I would love for you to do. If you like what you hear on Vitality Radio, go tell somebody about this podcast. If you really like what you hear, join the Facebook listeners group. Uh, That community is vibrant and awesome, and I absolutely love it. It's so much fun in there. There's so much helpful information being shared. So check that out as well. The link is in the show description. Thank you so much for listening to me. Call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or jump on the line, online, vitalitynutrition.com. We'll be happy to help you either way. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.